Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and oh, I was so thrilled. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to a longtime friend, Franklin Killian. He's on the show today. We talk about art, we talk about artistry, we talk about control, we talk about his work acting. Yes, I met Franklin way back at a theater festival in 2010 in Houston, and we've maintained contact all of these years. And one of the things that I enjoy doing on this show is getting a chance to have conversations with people that maybe I've met once, maybe I haven't talked to in years, and bring them back in and see where they're at in life, what their perspective is on things, and how we can collectively make the world a better place. So be looking forward to that. But before we get started, I do want to let you know that today's sponsor of the episode is Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, without further ado, my episode with Franklin is coming up right after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form, career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. Oh, I am so excited. I am here with a blast from the past, a man that I met one time way in the past. It was at a theater festival. It was in Texas. Franklin Killian, the one and only. How are you doing today? Last from the past. I don't how old is your audience? How old am I supposed to be with Blast from the Past? Blast it sounds like Field of Dreams with Burt Lancaster. It's like once upon a time I was walking down the street and I met this guy and I found him. Um if you build it they will come. I built the podcast. Franklin Killian came on it. Here we go. Field That's of Dreams. Right. There it is. That's right. Great movie. <laughs> it is. How um, are you doing in this? Uh, well, here in Texas, it is hot, hot summer. We're not on a tin roof, but it feels like it sometimes. Franklin, how are you doing? 
I'm great. I'm great. You know, I'm in the land of talking about weather. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. And, you know, we get four strong seasons here. And, you know, there was actually a quote from, uh, my goodness, you remember Waiting for Guffman? Yes. Remember that film? It yes. takes place in Blaine, Missouri. And uh, they're like, hey, if you wait, you know, if you wait five minutes, you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. <laughs> and, but the thing is, it's true. But people still watch the weather as though it's biblical as though it's concrete and stone like no no no. 5 p.m it's gonna rain today franklin you can't do that you know that i go it's gonna change you know that's gonna change 3 p.m they go no not gonna rain no 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 no. it's gonna be sunny it's gonna rain at nine it's gonna rain at nine like stop watching the weather when it rains it rains i don't have to work outside so i don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff but i can't I can't say, I think it's spiteful. And we're going to talk about my parents right now. And I don't want to hijack the situation, but my parents talked about the weather a lot when I was younger. And I think me going on this tirade right now is in spite of them. Cause I'm like, I can't, I grew up watching the weather on local news. I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, I all, I have this uh, theory that we're upset. We as humans collective, we here are obsessed with the weather because it, knowing about the weather gives us an illusion of control and we want nothing more than to feel in control of our situations. However, you just perfectly articulated that you can't be in control of it because it will change. And so then it's just a a never ending cycle of, of being reminded of how much power you don't have in any given situation. We can talk that we can talk about control. I feel like I talk about control a lot. This could be called D therapy. Um, (laughs) But for real, I mean, it's like, I don't know why. I never thought of it like that. I don't feel like I say, like, you can't control it. Who cares? Sure. Some people do have to kind of look out for it. But I feel like, I do feel like most of the decisions I make, especially being a, a new dad, my little one just turned to one, just oh, turned congratulations. one. Congratulations. A week ago. Yeah, thanks. He's alive. Got it. Um, <laughs> is... <laughs> Is, that's the first hurdle right can you, there can you control it i can't control that i'm like yeah. i can't i'm already running out of time my wife is pregnant again congratulations again um she'll uh the little girl will be due in december before i had are we talking about, talking about parenting right yeah. now yeah let's just okay. go into it um before and anybody's a parent if they're listening to this already knows what I'm about to say. And they're like amateur um, <laughs> is before he was born before little Franklin is our first one uh, was born. I didn't have any time. Joe, I was like, I'm out of time. Right. <laughs> um, and then we had the kid and I go, I'm not, I, I'll never have a minute yeah. to myself. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what alone, alone time. I didn't have alone time before. Right. It's not happening anymore. It's gone. Yep. And it took a long time to, like accept that and not just be frustrated and angry. And then, so now I have, I don't have any time. You know what I mean? I'm trying to find those moments of, I don't, I don't really have moments of reflection, but when I can do one thing instead of juggling. And now my wife is pregnant and I'm going, I don't, I don't have time right now, but I know parents have been doing it for thousands of years and I'm going, Okay, I guess as as the Midwesterners and every parent that's usually not of my generation will say, 
you'll find a way, Franklin. You'll figure it out. And I'm like, that is the it's most not very, that's not very promising right now. <laughs> what did you say? So that's the most unhelpful piece of advice you'll ever get. You'll figure it, it out. It's awful. Figure. It's not you, helpful. You can't do anything with that. You're just like taking your half tired face and burying it into a pillow and screaming for 10 seconds just to like take a moment to yourself. So, no. I love it. Well, I'm going to transition us just for yeah, a moment. Yeah, yeah. You should take no, the no, lead. No. I'm gonna... no, it's good. So here at the Detox Podcast, uh, we invite people to quote unquote detox from the world around them uh, for the next hour or so and get a window into how other people live their lives. So Franklin, this was a good positioning for the first question, which is what are you detoxing from? Yeah. I remember seeing the, de the detoxing thing and... You know, and I thought about, I even thought about before we even started talking and I was, I was actually, I was watering some plants outside because it is warm to go back to the weather. Right. It's pretty hot. <laughs> um, and, and I was like, don't give, I'm not going to give a cop an answer. And like, what am I, I could have a different answer for each moment of the day. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, I tell you what, and I'm going to try to not make this sound like some damn, can I curse? Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Fuck okay. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want to be walking on eggshells. Um, and I was, I was actually, I was thinking about control because there are so many things that have come up. I'm sorry. I'm scratching my forehead. Oh, yeah. um, that's why this, uh, I sound tense. There are so many things that come with, with being a new parent that no one prepares you for. And everyone says that that's so trite yep. to say that, but you don't really learn that until you're in it. Yeah. Um, and then there are so many other call them curveballs, come arrows or uh, I don't know, things coming your way where it's like, I don't have, I can either stress and freak out about that. And sometimes you can, or sometimes you fall into it. Sometimes you fall into like worrying, doing these like little worry about micro things. Right. But then I'm like, you know what? My life is at least moderately more pleasant when I'm not trying to fucking control everything. Yeah. Um, and trying to, and I feel like I preach about it a lot. And then of course the practice is much, much harder when yeah. I'm like, I'm trying, it's difficult to just become so exhausting when you're trying to make people more like you. Yeah. You're trying to control everything that might affect your child. Yeah. You know, and I love therapy. I love psychoanalysis. Not only the principle of it, but the practice. Yeah. And... I know, I know that we all should go to therapy yeah. and it's going to be because of our, our parents right? for something, whether she held us too much or not enough. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but I, what I do know, and this is something else I'm talking about detoxing from control. If I haven't already explained yep. that out yep. is, <laughs> is here's one thing. This is, I, he's going to go to therapy. And it's going to be because it's because of me. I know that I, but I know it won't be from like falling and hitting his head. Right. 
or pulling like a pan out of the the drawer yeah, right like hitting or hitting himself with the door you know right exactly um or scratching himself yep or a mosquito bite yep or things from the outside world that like hit him it's gonna be because of me and some stupid thing that i'm doing right on like on a yearly basis <laughs> you know what i mean yeah Again, pushed him too much or not enough. I mean, right. it's going to be one of the two. I know, I know. You know what I mean? Or I it's indifference. Right, or right. Or indifference. Like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yes. So <laughs> that kind of stuff is, I really am not trying to make cop an answer, but that's something that I think about constantly because, and here's another one. Here's another uh, generalization that we all love to say. Oh, we're all just doing the best we can. Yeah. Right. It's a bit big parental quote. Right. Funnily enough, that's the simplest way to quantify it or frame it. That I've ever, because I could talk about all the things I've learned and all the hiccups and obstacles and hurdles and what's to become of all of us. Right. But when it comes down to it, those old farmers that I grew up with, man, they're right. Like, so we're, we're just doing the best we can. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, and true. And then even like expounding on that, right. One of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou talks about you do the best you can with what you know, but when you know better, do better. And, and that's more, that even goes into like <clears throat> the, the aspects of, of what I'm focused on. Right. So it is very, the period of time in which you are in and which you are going to continue to be in for the next little bit is a very, very tough period of time. Um, I don't think I slept for the first couple years kind of a thing. Um, and then once you get beyond that, then it becomes an opportunity where you say, you know what? I think I'm starting to get a handle on like the day in and day out of what I need to do from a routine perspective. Forget about like actual parenting, just from a routine, get them up, get them out the door kind of perspective. And right, then the right, world's right. going to encroach on that. And the world's going to be like, we're going to take away all illusion of control and throw in whatever we feel like good, bad, and indifferent. And that's, that's the key. That's the part where, from my day-to-day -day work where I start stressing and I start feeling like I really don't have control of what somebody decides to do in South Texas, right? I don't have any control over some of these things. And then I go, so what can I do? And the one thing that I have learned, right, through therapy and through other practices, I used to have this, I, I'm going along winding road because I, I had this illusion where I thought I need to protect my energy is specifically the words that I used when I'm in conversation with people. Mm -hmm. And I had someone who said, you, you can't protect your energy, manage your energy because that you will fight that fight and feel like you're giving up. I'm using air quotes here, your energy. And then what you're doing is wasting energy on an illusion of control. So approach the conversations by just being present and in the moment. And you will have a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions and the energy will flow. And at the end of it, you've acknowledged the energy and the energy has gone in and has come out. And then you are able to continue on your practice. And that approach has allowed me to be present and not feel and understand that I'm not in control, but then allow me to feel like I have control over how I am showing up, how I am reacting and how I'm able to be there for people. It's tough. Yeah. I feel you. Do you mean when you said energy, do you mean, do you mean like you were being like presentational or something like something other than what kind of energy I was, sure, I was losing. Sure. losing so what I mean is like, oftentimes I show up 
right to conversations, I will say. And I'll feel like, all right, I need – whoever I'm meeting with is going through something very deep and very meaningful and is very emo- – like it's a very emotional experience, typically right. maybe in a, in a negative way. And right, so I right. want to be there and I want to listen to them and let them share their concerns. And maybe if they ask for like advice or perspective, help with that. But I don't want to draw into where my mood changes, right? So where I'm now taking on the emotional burden and responsibility. And I was finding that I was doing that. So I'm like, okay, well, how do I manage that where I don't take it on? And it's like, well, don't, don't fight it. Just like it'll happen and then it'll go and it'll happen and it'll go. And that's natural. That's good. That's good advice. It's, it's not easy. Uh, I struggle with it daily, but it is better than it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I want to talk about... Oh, boy. <laughs> We're t- I, I, can, I can hear it. <laughs> and it just in, when you said about, and then there was an, ellip- there was an ellipsis. <laughs> and it feels like we're starting somewhere, a blast from the past. Well, I, want, well, I want to ease yeah. into the blast from the past. So one of the things that you and I were talking about before, so I'll, I'll do this for the audience. You know, I made a joke about meeting Franklin a, a while ago. So for, for those who know, I've, I've shared before that my undergrad degree is in theater. So I got theater from a small, small school in Texas, Howard Payne University, way back in 2010 is when I graduated. And some of the things that we did was we went to Texas Educational Theater Association, like Theater Fest. Uh, and those were typically held. They rotated around Texas. This particular year where I met Franklin, it was in San Antonio or Houston, one of the two places. And Houston. Yeah, Houston. And then so what this festival was, it was a two or three day uh, Friday through Sunday where uh, kids from all over different universities and high schools would come, take workshops, get to meet people, get to hear famous people like Jason Alexander come speak and share about their craft. And then you could make connections and build that that network of theater artists. So I, I took a workshop that Franklin did, and I was very inspired by what he had to say about artistry and the work required in artistry. And so it, it left a positive impression on me to the point that I take that approach to work and embedding art into everything, into everything that I do now. And that was back in 2009 or 2010, 2010. And so it left an impact. So when I reached out and I was excited to continue the conversation, um, I was glad that Franklin said yes, and so we can continue. So we're talking about that. And you shared something where you talked about some instruction you got as far as art was to, uh, I wrote it down, the responsibility of artists and the role that art plays in humankind. And so I want you to share a little bit of your perspective on how you got that approach and that that sort of foundational understanding of art and then what your motivation was to kind of come teach that to kids way back when. Right on. I see. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing and I like it. Um, so, yeah, well, I tell you what, I mean, it was coming from like – it was really Stella Adler's team that really kind of put that in front of our face in a very aggressive way. And I apologize for that. My it's all right. It's going off. Um, because up until then, I was just trying to do plays. I was just trying to act, you know. And I, I knew very little of that studio going in. All I, did, I, I did know that Marlon Brando dated her yeah. and went there <laughs> and Robert De Niro went there. Right. And I was like, I have to go to this school. Of course. 
you know? Um, and I, you would just do scenes there. Yeah. You know, and they would stop. It was very tough. It was very tough. And it's exactly what I needed. Cause I, at the time just thought it was the best thing since, you know, sliced bread and like Frank, Franklin, you're not just playing like a, a salesperson. Mm. It's like you have to carry all of the salespeople. All I wasn't playing Willie Loman or anything, but this is like I forgot. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's something that, that they would say. It's like you know, you have to carry all of them on on your shoulders. It was about like great great size, you know, and not like overacting, not in the size as we think of like opera or right. you know, uh, old school Shakespeare actors. There's like, you gotta, you have to fill the stage with life mm. and your responsibility comes thousands of years in the making. And your job is to provoke, is to get people to rise out of their seats and to change the way they see the world. And there's either good theater or it's bad. And if it's not good, it's bad, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And if you're not taking people to a place where they've never been before, I mean, uh, emotionally, right? then you're not doing your job. And again, this is a, you know, Stella that came up from a... V- a very blue collar kind of um, roadmap of artists. You know what I mean? Her yeah. father, Jacob Adler started at the first Jewish theater in the country. Wow. You know, yeah. um, under, under tremendous pressure and oppression. Um, and then she was along with the group theater. Um, so they were just saying, this is your job. It's not, let's go have fun pretending. And of course that's what's, that can be uh, icing of this lovely, this cake, but make no mistake. We're not here to fuck around. Right. You know? Yeah. And you, once you hear that over and over and then you start to, you start to read things differently. You start to, I mean, what's really great. And I'm not, they, they would help us, you know, make relationships outside the bit, outside the school, but that's they made it clear that's not what their job was. I mean, their right. job was to cultivate artists who could make some kind of impact, and they didn't never talk about changing the world. They just said making impact, make changing audiences. Right. You know. So they weren't talking about, you know, find a cause, find a charity. Yeah. There was like, you have to do great theater or you have to see the world differently. Right. And that everyone's going to tell you that what you do is secondary until they need you. Yeah. They, she, she, she talked about that a lot. And, and you can see, and sometimes there's, there might be some videos still looming around of her teaching. She died in like 92 or 93. But um, 
she would talk about that kind of stuff. Like no one gives a shit about a poem until you need one for a fucking funeral. Yeah. How's that one? You know, she would say stuff like that. Yeah. She would, she would say, you know, no one needs to go to the, the movies until they need a good cry. Yeah. And then, of, then all of a sudden we're really important and it's like the thing that changes their lives. But up until then, it's just, wait, you can make a living off that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then to your point, adding on to that, you saw how valuable art was in the early days of the pandemic when we were all at home. And some people, you know, were flipping about it, but it's true. What did people do when they couldn't do anything else? What did people do? Consumed art over and over and oh, over yeah. again because yeah. there was nothing to do and it was an escape from a very scary reality that was right yeah. outside the door. Of but course. When we go back out, it's like, oh, well, I don't, who cares, right? I don't, it's not, yeah. not important to, to me as a, as an individual, right? Right. Yeah. And she wasn't, I mean, when I say she, I mean like everybody really that taught there. Of course. Sure. You know, because yeah, they, yeah. they all had that, that life inside of them, you know, and it was never our intention to kind of like throw shit on people's laps and say, you know, we're, <laughs> we're essential workers and stuff like that. It was just like, all you have to be is concerned about is how you Franklin, how you see the world. Yeah. Stop screwing around. And if you want to be, if you want to be an actor, then, then change some people, Yeah, you know, or don't go up, go do something else. Yeah. You know? So I kept, you'd hear that over and over. And I mean, it's, it sounds very romantic now, but at the time you're going, what the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) I'm just trying to open the door. Yeah. You know, like in a scene, you like open the door and they go, that's stupid. I don't know where you're coming from, Frank. <laughs> I go, and then they, they go on these tirades. But it's like, you don't understand how someone with children, like a playing a character or something sure. like, you are not carrying the weight, which means that you're shitting on anyone who's ever done this ever. Yeah. So open the fucking door <laughs> like someone who's lost something. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, you're wearing like this oversized suit thing. You're like, I don't, how can I, is that actable? And you know, they, they were, they were all like that, Yeah. you know, and you hear that over and over. And then what happens is you start seeing theater that you've never seen before. Mm. And you start walking out of spaces after stuff that they've done. And you're going, I, I'm now, something's changed. Yeah. Something's changed inside of me and I don't know what it is, yeah. but it, it, and then there's years afterwards where you're even realizing what they were trying to teach in the first place, just like every other good teacher, you know, yeah. good mentors. Um, but then it starts to sink in and it, then it becomes really, really important. Yeah. And then, I mean, especially for me, I mean, even now I'm going, it's not about fucking acting, frankly, <laughs> you know, it's not about, getting on a stage it's not about a camera it's not about writing movies and right. and fighting the good fight of independent cinema and all that fucking nonsense it's like it's about so much more she was talking about so much more than that it, it's trivial to to actually water it down to something as simple as acting yeah. you know yeah so um 
so it just held tremendous power for me, you know, and um, I still, but the thing is sometimes, it's, not, it's so funny, you mentioned, uh, God, what was the university, Howard something? Howard Payne, Payne. yeah. I was just doing um, a play here in St. Louis uh, with a couple of kids that had, had went to there, went there. Really? Um, yeah, they were, well, they weren't in the play, they were, they were staff at the theater. Pardon me. Um, and so that just keeps circling back in my head. I may know them because that school is so fucking tiny. So anyways, but they, I digress. Yeah, they just graduated. They were they were young. They were super oh, okay. young. They just graduated. OK. Yeah, so I probably don't. Um, yeah, but but yeah, it just become important. So then you just start seeing everything like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like and especially the fine arts. I mean, some things are a little bit more subjective than others. Right. But it's like, it's either good or it's bad. And I'm so sorry. It doesn't matter if it's kids theater or opera. Right. If it's good, it's good. And if it's not good, it's bad. And there's just no, there's no middle ground. And sometimes it's difficult to have a nuanced conversation about that when right. you get out of the show and like, hey, how was it? And yeah. he's like, it's garbage. <laughs> and like, it was garbage. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it so, I remember, I don't want to cut you off, but I do want to interject this, this one item is that um, it reminds me now I'm framing my own life in like your mindset coming out of that and, and teaching that workshop on, I don't even remember what it was on, but it was, it was something that was important. Like it was something that yeah. like the title of it drew me in and I was excited and changed by it. But I had just come back from studying in London for a semester and I did some theater courses there, and one of the courses I took, I took it because it was counted as credit and seemed like, truthfully, slightly a, a slightly blow-off class. But the whole point of it was you went to see different performances over London, and the instructor was intentional that it wasn't just West End performances. Like, you saw a West End show, you saw uh, was a National National Royal Theater, whatever, the, the, the like, big one over there. You saw yeah, one the of those. Thank you. Yeah. And then she also had, and this was my favorite piece. I still remember to this day. It was this little tiny ass theater in the East end of London. It was a two man show. It was a pay what you can theater and performance real like nitty gritty. Loved it. You walk into this like blank space. You've got bleacher seats on like three sides. Couldn't have sat more than 50 people. Very tiny. These two guys come in. It's a barber chair. And this guy's getting a haircut and this other guy's like giving him like a haircut and this guy in the chair is just monologuing and you discover through the course of this monologue and they eventually have a back and forth. This guy's getting a haircut and they're on the cusp of this like civil war in this like fictional city and he's concerned about his son who has just volunteered for this conflict. And then by the end of the play, the conflict arises and the characters, I don't know if they perish or if they leave right before, but it's like, it's right. all of this, like on the cusp of conflict. And right. I just like, it was so powerful that I was like, this is, this is great art. Like I can definitively put my finger on it and say, this was great art. And so then I come to this workshop and you're like, it's about so much more. It's about our role in society. And I'm just like, yeah, I saw it. This is powerful. <laughs> right. Oh, that was the good timing then. Yeah. yeah. But to your point, like you have to even carry that. So like whether 
whether even you stay as an artist or you go into the corporate world or whatever, having that mentality on how you can influence and impact the world is key. I think about it all the time in a lot of conversations I have, especially in the line of work that I do, where people talk about the day-to-day asks, they talk about the the PowerPoint, they talk about the this and then that. Right. But we got to step back and be like, well, how are we affecting the world in a positive way? What are we doing to move the needle? How are we reaching right. people? And the way we reach them is when we have put a story to it. We tell people about what we're doing. We show people how we're impacting them. And you can't you can't quantify that on on a spreadsheet. You gotta you gotta talk and have the story. So it's I, good. Oh, I agree. I love it. This is excellent. Now I wanna I do wanna pivot. I've got some other questions. So maybe perhaps a bit lighthearted because this I could continue this conversation. I would feel much better if you didn't wring your hands when you said I have other oh, questions. Oh yes, of course. Yes, people couldn't <laughs> people couldn't see that, but there it is. Yes. Um, Twirling his mustache. Let's um. Let's get homeschooled for a bit and let's talk about I believe that you Yeah, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> so homeschooled uh was a a, a short uh a, a mini series, a short series, it was uh, a web series. I'm not sure what's the proper How many uh, times you're gonna make me say blast in the past today. Um <laughs> Well I tell you what, it was this was like eleven years ago, brother. Yes, it was two thousand eleven. Okay. It's on YouTube. I will put links in show notes. So people can go uh-huh. and enjoy themselves. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this was this was like the beginning, not the beginning, because it it didn't make any landmarks or anything. But this was like the beginning of this wave of what was called web series. Right. Yeah. There was a that several was like, pushes for like four, five, six. It years was maybe. just a. It was just a thing. Mm-hmm. People were finding out that. You could, you didn't have to make it. I mean, at least from my perspective, being in, being in LA at that time with a lot of people who are not working. Right. You know, it was like, well, we don't have to go to these meetings anymore. We don't have to make a feature. We don't even have to go to shorts and all these stupid festivals and all this money. And of course the apps like smartphones are finding their own voice as far as content creation and stuff like that. Sure. But it was it's like, really, yeah. People, and like Vimeo was still like, just, it was a file sharing thing. There yeah. wasn't, but then YouTube was like, not just cat video thing anymore. Right. Yeah. It was like people were young people were watching. It was like, wait, and it doesn't cost anything. Right. And they're like, why don't we just start, making all of our features, all the shit that's sitting in like col- collecting dust on the shelf and yeah. some hard drive and just cut it up, you know, and start doing, doing either short films or web series. Right. Um, and then there was just, I can't even remember them now because they've already been like purchased or dissolved, but there were other platforms that they started showing web series where there were their own channels. I mean, this is, yeah, this is still pre- House of Cards, like yep. Netflix being an original content creator. Right. So it was just a different different mindset. And people were just like, I can do this now and I don't have to wait. It was still that it was people are having that now with different mediums. But yeah. at that time it was like, I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait for agents or managers or auditions or some screenplay competition or some shit like that. Yeah. Like 
I just got to do it and just pop it up on there. Yeah. You know, and everyone by that time at least knew iMovie and was getting premiere and they're just sitting around not working on anything. And, right. you know, and uh, Matt Morgenthaler, who who created that show, um, he, he was just he was just a great artist. And I don't know specifically what his deal was, but he did get some money, I think, from NYU. Okay. Uh, to do that because he was a recent grad and his grandparents lived at the top of the bird streets in LA. So that's above sunset Plaza. That's the house was right next to Leo DiCaprio's house. Okay. There you go. It's like the biggest houses in Los Angeles. They, they're like four or five streets on the top of this hill called the bird streets. They're all named after birds like Oriole and Robin and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it was right up there and he had it for like a week or something when they were going to be out of town and he was like, let's shoot them all, you know, yeah. all these episodes and people were still like, wait, what are we doing? It's like, right. they're like three minutes, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's still, but, um, it was early on when I got to LA that that came through. Um, so I was really, I was really happy about it, but again, it was like, I saw that thing, that notification and I saw homeschool and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's uh, I had so nothing for, but a great time it's just uh yeah. thinking about it yeah. it's it's interesting though so to to listeners that don't know i messaged you earlier in the day to say that i benched homeschooled so i'm ready for the the hard-hitting questions as it were but um so for those who don't know it's it's pitched as a an arrested development type of show so if you're familiar with that comedy style similar similar type of idea and it's about this this kid mickey who is uh played by you franklin who um, flunks out of high school and thinks he's going to finish high school at home, be homeschooled, and uh, it's going to be an easy ride for him. And he turns out that is not necessarily the case. I think as you put it on the show, school came home to you um, instead of you leaving school for good. So that's kind of the premise. There's six episodes or so. It's good. But I like your point about the the period of time when this is, because I remember um, coming out. So I was in that period of time where you, Going to university, going to school, going to college, uh, 2006 to 2010, we were starting to watch YouTube like, oh, a cat video, oh, a funny this and that, funny right, leprechaun right. video, whatever. But by the time I was in college, it had moved to like, now we're watching music videos, now we're watching funny shorts, now we're watching web series. And it's getting to the point where like the shows that we're watching are on YouTube and we're using the phrase like, do y'all want to watch YouTube tonight? Like for real. Because right. we're watching web series like that. And then that was a very specific point in time because then it shifted because Netflix started doing their own thing. And then you started having other distribution platforms creating their own content. And then the smartphone scene exploded as well, where people are able to create shorter videos. You've got TikTok, you got Reels, you got all kinds of stuff now. So that period of time doesn't really exist anymore. Well, it does, but in various different ways. But this was singularly on YouTube for this period of time. And then you're also coming out of the writer's strike, which has just happened a handful of years before. So mm -hmm. people are trying to find their way back into work. Right. It's, it's a, it's an interesting slice of time that I, I was looking at. I'm like, man, I remember watching a ton of these types of things right. in this very specific period of time. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was strange. And I don't really even remember. Cause I know it was, it was so quickly hijacked by, you know, 
Hollywood saw kind of what was happening and there was an audience for it. So they yep. just started doing their own thing and they just started right. putting their own stuff on YouTube. And then it was just like kind of hijacked by like this, like a, like a sitcom kind of mm -hmm. became that kind of genre. Then it became like, like, a, like you're going to get one joke in like three minutes. You know what I mean? Right. So of them and you know, somebody like Melissa Joan Hart will be in it or something like that. And then it, and then it kind of dissolved and, um, and then just pivots as it does when people are like, oh, the shiny new thing is that, you know, Netflix is not doing DVDs anymore. Right. Um, and then everybody's like, oh, now we have to do content creation. And so all these people who have, you know, licenses of movies and TV shows and we're going to like, no, 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 no. We're just going to create our own stuff now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. I do have to. I do have to say, I was surprised to find that Jacob Bertrand, who played Abel on the show, was there because, and this was really fun for me. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. Mm -hmm. oh, In yeah. episode two, the bully. Abel is, or Jacob, right? Jacob playing right. Abel is in martial arts gear, and what is he most famous for now? Playing Hawk in Cobra Kai. Right. So there is that tie-in for folks if they are like, what? There's somebody I might kind of recognize beyond Franklin Killian on the show? Yes. Right. A young Jacob Bertrand, pre-Cobra Kai, pre-Mohawk, pre-everything is on that show. So I just found that was a funny aside I had to make sure I brought up. It's great. And he was like, immediately after, we, we became close because like a lot of those people at the time weren't really working. Mm -hmm. um, and so you you become more like a fraternity, you know, sure. yeah. when you're, cause you're just trying to like make money together, you know, and trying to help each other make money. And I remember early on Morgan Dollar, Matt, the, the creator of the show, he was like, you know, Jacob's on blah, blah, blah. Like he was on the like Nickelodeon shows. I was right. like, what? No. <laughs> um, because of course he was just like the young kid on set. Right. With his yeah. parents and stuff like that. And then, and then he just continued to work. And so it's, it's really wonderful. And somebody mentioned that. I, I don't watch the show, but someone did mention that. They're like, Jacob Bertram's on Cobra Kai. And I was like, oh my God, that remake show? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And I go, good on him, man. He's crushing it. He, um, I remember right after homeschool, it was around, I don't know. It was after it, of course, um, that I had a whole bunch of scripts because I was really just, I just really wanted to be a, a great writer sure um and i was just writing tons of stuff and and i had i made a couple web series and i cast jacob as my younger self um <laughs> and we had such a great time i remember we we just i just loved that kid and we goofed off so much during homeschool i remember because i just wanted him to feel comfortable you yeah. know and um, and we had so much, we'd spend so much time together. So um, it's so great to hear that he's working. What's a, what's a good, I'm going to bring this full circle. And then I want to ask you about um, some of your uh, current repertory work. Um, Cobra Kai was a YouTube original show. Right. And then it got bought by Netflix. So now right. it is, it's full circle, right? So we went from a web series, a YouTube series, to a YouTube series type of thing. And then... Yeah. Now it's on Netflix, so it's it's a it's a phenomenal show, by the way. If you uh, uh, ever want to check it out, so just throwing that out there. But yeah, it's wild. they did yeah. not pay me to say that. That's just my own personal thoughts. So yeah, YouTube has their own stuff. I mean, that's the name of the game now is to find something that's original or existing IP, which is right, um, and make yourself a platform. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it's pretty saturated now, but uh, YouTube did the same thing. You know what I mean? They already have their, you know, their fortune, but they're like, we just need to get into the original content game. Yep. And the easiest way to do that is existing IP. Exactly. Nobody right. loves, uh, nobody, you don't, what is it? What was I trying to say? People love nostalgia is all I was trying to say. So if you speaking, tap into that. You speaking of fucking nostalgia, Joe, they just tried out. There's a, there's a theater in St. Louis called Stages. They do strictly musicals. It's an equity house though. Um, and you know, uh, you know, they had these tryout cities, tryout theaters for yeah. for Broadway, right? Yeah. When they tried something new. Um, and we, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole of what's going on stage in, in New York, but stages just became the tryout for the Karate Kid musical. Oh, wow. So they just, um, they just closed it, I think a couple of weeks ago, but uh, yeah, they, they wrote music for it and they put wow. it on wooden planks and showed it in front of an audience. And uh, with these tryouts, it's like, okay, we're going to do one tryout and it's a blast and we go to New York or, they hated it and we got to try it out somewhere else like DC or San Diego or yeah. Seattle or something, Chicago. Um, but um, it, it's going to find its way up there. Wow. 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 Well, that I is, I don't think Ralph Macchio is going to be doing any uh, singing and dancing, uh, but no, you he sh- they showed, they all showed up, you know, they were all doing promos and stuff. Sure. Um, but um we don't have to talk about no, but that is a good segue into you. Were, you were talking about doing a show in St. Louis recently, so talk us about talk talk to us about what you've been working on, uh, what maybe you just wrapped, or maybe what you're focused on coming up. Right. Well, St. Louis is just such a it's such a it's so I don't want to say complex. I would just say it's strange. It's strange that this a town that has such a damn rich history of art, of fine art and fine artists being cultivated and harvested from here, um, just lives in a state where they no they no longer recognize it as something special. Yeah. Um, it still has a a what we say a vibrant culture of art i mean there's still people making art that that's never gonna go away um but it's 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 just strange and it's not like it's it's more of a community theater town there's a few houses that do reputable work but i mean everything else people are just trying to get things off the ground right yeah um yeah well i'll tell you what but um there's a play that won a Pulitzer Prize in 2017. It's called Sweat. Um, it's by Lynn Nottage. She's uh, the only female that has two Pulitzer Prizes for drama. Um, and she's wonderful. Um, yeah, she wrote this play. And I don't want to talk about the play too much, but it's a, it takes place in Reading, Pennsylvania. Funnily enough, sidebar, not about the play, Monopoly. Everybody knows Monopoly. All the railroads. Yeah. Right? Once. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Reading Railroad. Yeah, yeah. It's not Reading. It's Reading. Wow. From Re- oh, There we go. Wow. Didn't know that. Now I do. Yeah. That's the most interesting thing that happened to me since Houston, Texas, 2010. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, now we have the answer. No, it's about uh, this. Uh, it's a steel town. 
uh, it takes place in two different time periods. It's like 2000 and then 2008. And at the very beginning of the play, the first scene in the play, um, to my character lights up. I got um, like Aryan Brotherhood tattoos. I'm so in, you're uh, you're in this. You're performing in the show. Yeah, so, I was I was okay, acting yeah. in it. Yeah, got it. Okay, and just, yeah. just acting in it. Um, and yeah, it's in 2008. I'm in my parole officer's office, and I got all these Aryan Brotherhood neo-Nazi stuff all over my face. Just got out of prison, and I'm not doing too hot. And then it, there's a short scene, and then the next scene is a friend of mine who also got out of prison who's having a really tough time. The next scene comes up. It's eight years before. We're younger, obviously, and we're at this bar, this neighborhood bar. We're working at this steel mill, and things are hunky-dory. And it's like, oh, shit. By the end of this play, we're going to figure out what sent these boys to jail. Mm -hmm. um, and it was in 2000, which was at the advent of NAFTA, um, when they started outsourcing um, to, to Mexico, really. They're given a lot of jobs. And then they were tearing towns apart. I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives on this thing, and it's you know 20 years old. But they were pitting families against each other because they would promote people to managers of these, of these steel mills. You know, it's right. so minutiae, but you can understand how it could tear a family and town apart because they would say you know what, we haven't done much for the lady factory workers in a while. Let's promote one of them, wink, wink, to manager. And then they make them fire all their friends mm. because we're going to be bringing in cats from south of the border. Right. You know what I mean? Or we're going to be taking the mill to south of the border because it was like a tax thing. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you find out by the end of the play what took these kids to prison. Um, the, the place I did it at, it's called the St. Louis Black Rep. Um, and they've been doing plays in St. Louis for 40 years and they only produce works by uh, black playwrights, black artists really, because they do a lot of adaptations. Um, so it's not just plays. And uh, that opened their last season. And I, I just went in cold. I didn't know these cats, but I did hear from, uh, from others that it was one of the few companies worth doing work for, you know? Wow. And uh and it was, yeah, I just went in there cold and didn't know anybody. And he was just like, hey, you should, you should do this role. <laughs> and I said, let's, let's do it. I can be, yeah. I can be your angry white person. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Cause yeah. it was a very, it was a multiracial cast. Right. Um, and it very, it gets very, very tense. But at the beginning of the play, it's like all these people are family members, they're friends. They don't, right. I mean, they don't, it's not a race thing until it becomes a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, That's powerful. That's it's great. Funny. They're actually they're doing the African Company presents Richard the Third in September, and I was just talking. Hope I can be a part of that. If I can That's be awesome. Uh, well, there's we've talked we've talked a ton about <clears throat> the role of art and the role of artists in the world, and this is a fantastic conversation. What I would what I would ask you, oh Joe, if there, if there oh, is one, to me, aren't you, Joe? No, I'm, we're we're wrap, we're starting to wrap up. But what I would say is, if there is a mantra. Or a piece of advice oh that you God. have for yourself that you want to share with the listeners, what is that? Oh my God, Joe, really? Yes. You're trying yes, to really. make me sound like an intelligent person. I didn't have to try. You've been doing it for the last 50 minutes. I just want to put a bow on it. I understand. I just want to put a bow. <laughs> um, 
okay. Okay. I don't want to be irreverent here, Joe. I'm not trying to teach anybody anything. I didn't come on this damn thing to be like <laughs> teaching lessons. And everyone has their own mantras and things that they do. And it usually comes at a moment's notice when you're like, okay, I can either freak out or do something responsible. You know, so I would say, don't be too hard on yourself. Be smart enough to know what you don't know. And any path that you walk on without the guidance and counsel of friends and family and mentors, probably a path that you will end up lost on. I love it. That's excellent. <laughs> well, we are going to, that was a I fantastic hate, conversation. I hate this. I, hate I, I know. <laughs> I, well, we're not saying goodbye yet because we got one last little piece to do. So I like to end the episodes with things to check out. It's a segment where I invite my listener, my guest to share something they're either watching, reading, or listening to. And I do the same. So we give oh, the, right. the folks some rec- recommendations, some takeaways. So I will go first while you take you a have, moment. You to, have to, to think. go first, Joe. Yep. No worries. So, couple things. One thing that I've been doing, I usually consume a lot of thoughtful media, um, but lately the world is a bit too serious. So I've been consuming, um, I would call it leisurely media is what I'll say. So an example for that is I just finished watching Stranger Things 4. So that's top of mind for me. I enjoyed that. Oh, okay. Um, I did watch Barry on HBO. I just, uh, just wrapped up season three of Barry. So I enjoyed that. Um, I am, and then I started rereading for probably I don't know sixth or seventh time the the Hunger Games. I always enjoy reading the Hunger yeah. Games, so that's a nice leisurely read for me. So those are the things that I'm watching uh, and and consuming. And I guess I'll give some casual shout-outs as well because I want to make yeah. sure I do it. So former guest Reverend Sean Amos, uh, son of Wally, famous Amos, uh, the, the Cookie Mogul, wrote a book, Cookies and Milk, loosely fictional biography. Uh, it's a kid's book, so you can check that out. And then former guest Rebecca Kennedy, who is a dynamite uh, actress as well, actor as well. Uh, her movie Two Witches, where she plays the witch Masha, I got picked up somewhere. It's going to be distributed somehow. Good for her. Uh, it's get, getting fantastic reviews. I'm not going to be able to watch right. the the movie with both eyes open, but I will watch it when it comes out and fully support her. So those those are some things to check out. So Franklin, what are you watching, reading, or listening to? so formal it makes me feel weird um <laughs> franklin that, you don't like scary should movies? i call you mr killian should i call you that <laughs> what do you, um what you I, like enjoy, scary movies? I enjoy scary movies but sometimes um i have to like you know prep myself and uh so i know what i'm getting into so set yeah. yourself up for success i understand right. <laughs> well i'll tell you what i don't I, well i do know but I don't want to be like cop out or spiteful. I'll tell you what I was, because I don't, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of new things. I'll tell you what I was watching. I'll tell you what I, what I can remember as of like today, even though by tomorrow I will have forgotten <laughs> something else that I've come to terms with about control. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is that my memory, right? Going, if I didn't write it down. Right. I'm, don't expect that I know everything because I used to, I used to have a lot of clout with, with memory. I'm like, it's gone. Bye. Goodbye. I don't know what I'm going to have to do with the new baby. Like, I don't remember what one month was like. I don't remember what six months was like. I'll have to learn again. <laughs> um, 
I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and I can tell you, you don't remember. You don't have memory. You don't. You're not gonna no, remember my name. That's why. Well, that's why I record this stuff so I can listen to it later. Right. That's the goal. Touche. <laughs> um, okay. This morning, so I'm on first shift with my kid. Mm-hmm. We get up in the morning and we'll find ourselves to the the living room at some point. And this is usually like the extent of the television that's that I watch. Yeah. It's not like Sesame Street intermittent, right. you know, sprinkled throughout the day. Right. Um, I put on Gimme Shelter, which is a documentary about the Rolling Stones. Um, one of many that they had. Um, and then I also put in Don't Look Back, which is a Bob Dylan concert documentary. Mm. Um, and that what's great about that, and then I did put This Is Elvis on, which is a documentary about Elvis. Um, it's an older one. I did see the Elvis film recently, so I've been playing the, the last time I play on the piano. Sure is a lot of Elvis now <laughs> um, because I did enjoy the film. Uh, and then I put, yeah, this is Elvis, which is a, a really funny documentary. It's terrible because like Colonel Parker really white knuckled like his whole life. So it yeah. sucks as a movie, but it's funny to, it's funny to watch. Sure. Um, I was, you said reading was too. Um, I, I've been reading, I always circle back to things Mm -hmm. and I was speaking to someone, a really lovely director here in St. Louis. Her name is Anna Maria Pileggi. Funny name. Like Nick Pileggi who wrote the Goodfellas book. Um, And he wrote the book for Casino as well. Um, That's right. He did. Yeah. It was called Wise Guys. It it wasn't called Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, And... She's a, she's incredible. I've seen some of her work. I think she might be the best director in this town. And I was like, I read, I reread Hurley Burley by David Rabe. Um, and I was like all up into, I've all, that, that play is very masturbatory. It's like a play that you always want to do. I watched it early when I first got into undergrad. I'm like, it's like a boys club yeah. play. You know, there's lots. It's about Hollywood. They're about agents. They do a lot of drugs. Um, they they drink a lot. They take advantage of women. Um, some people in certain circles would say it's inappropriate now. Mm. Um, but I I read the play. I haven't read it probably in five ten years, and I was like, I understand the pain of this play now. Wow. And I'm 37. I'm not. I'm not a dinosaur. I'm definitely not a spring chicken. I'm like, I understand why this play is not about jacking off. Right. And it's about very, very, very sad people. Yeah. Um. So I kept reading that, and I went to a direction talked about it, and then, uh, and then because of that, I was like, I should read. I, I have. To, I should read Check Off again, because oh, yes. I'm reading it now i'm like okay i'm now the things are happening in my brain with age and maybe i'm getting a little bit more scared or a little bit more hopeless or my memory's gone or i'm losing control right um <laughs> and i'm going and i'm reading Chekhov, and i'm not joking i'm reading the cherry orchard and i'm like this shit's funny this is funny yeah. it's funny because they're fucking miserable right and i don't need to 
I don't need Carl Jung to look inside my brain to know why <laughs> that's funny. And I'm going, this is really, this is cute. It's clever. And I'm, and I'm like laughing. Yeah. And I get it. I get what my teachers were trying to tell me that I never, ever, ever got. <laughs> um, and then I, w- I, I, I listen to a lot of music. I play a lot of music with my kid. I play a lot of music. I mean, I play a lot of instruments. I love having music on in the house all the time. Yeah. I like singing. And have my son in the car. There's a great Spotify playlist. And I'm not usually this person. I'm not this person. I love my 60s funk. Because mm-hmm. um, I was listening to Clarence Carter. Okay. Yep. Uh, Clarence Carter. And then... I like migrated to Alan Stone a little bit. And then I was listening to Wilson Pickett. Um, that was what I was listening to in the car today. I think I did a listening, watching and reading thing. Yes. Did I hit it? Yeah, you're good. Okay. You're going to, uh, this is a shameless plug. I'm going to bring in before we, we say goodbye. I do uh, for those that don't know, I do a music podcast called after the encore, which is a deep dive into different artists life. It's a career retrospective. It's meant to be a mixture of behind the music and inside the actor's studio. Jesus I've had, Christ. I've had John Oates of Holland Oates on the show. That was a fun conversation. I've had Reverend Sean Amos, we talk about blues, we talk about oh famous God. Amos. I've had You're people have been on the show, The Voice. I've had uh, Chris Kirkpatrick, we talked about In Sync and all the boy band drama and funness. So yeah, check that out uh, if you have not already. It's a, it's a, I, well, it's a seasonal podcast in that when I have a few episodes, I try and drop them in a season around a specific theme. So I did like uh, boy bands in the '90s, people on The Voice. Uh, I do some one-off episodes here and there, but it's it's a good time. It's fun, and it allows me to kind of geek out and talk about music for an hour and a half to two hours. That's so. fun. I just want to, while we're doing shameless plugs, and I know you're sure. already in time, this might get cut. I'm going to say something, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. This motherfucker right here, who I'm talking to, has two kids. We've all we've all heard it. His two kids. He also has two podcasts. He also said he just watched Stranger Things, Barry, and he's reading the damn Hunger Games. If you don't, if you say you don't have time, you don't have ten minutes. You don't have a life. This guy's <laughs> way too busy, y'all. That's great. I I should listen to that. I'm a huge Hollow Notes fan. It's a man, you know. I we talk. Be- we talk about the 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 uh, inspiration for Voices, the title track off of that album, and how it was about a serial killer. So that's the tease I'll give. And you got to go listen to it. That's so good. I'm glad I teed that one up because very good. I'm excited. I really am excited. So there we go. All right. Well, Franklin, if people want to say, if they want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? That's crazy. I don't keep up with a lot of things. F, F Killian is the person I want on Instagram. But I also have a boba company. Um, ah. I have a boba trailer. And it's called... You can't see it. You can see it. It's called Boba, Boba Bitch. Nice. And Boba Bitch STL. But if you're not in St. Louis, you can't get my Boba. So I'll have to make my way up to uh, St. Louis. That's what I'm hearing. It's it's really, really fun. Um, it's really fun. Um, but yeah, I don't really keep up to date. I'm not certain that anybody would like to follow anything that's going on in my personal life. But F. Killian is on Instagram. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, Franklin... Thank you for coming on. I, I I will bring you back on because I enjoyed 
this conversation, and I look forward to many, many more conversations of this nature. So thank that would, you. That would be cool. We should do something like that because this is far too rushed. We got to do something more. I love it. I really do think we should. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.